afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio, and what a great day to be alive. Really, what a great day to be alive in the greatest country in the history of the planet. It's true. It's true. It's not just my opinion. America is the greatest country in the history of the planet. Dean, that's just your opinion. No, it's not. Mm -mm. It's fact. Fact checkers, go ahead and fact check it. The greatest country in the history of the planet. This show is dedicated to, to education. So, you know, we, we want to shine the light of truth on the educational landscape. That's the objective. And also we want to shine the light of hope. You know, we want, you know, if, if, if you don't have hope, then then you don't have anything. You've got to have hope that things are going to get better, because if you have hope, then you're going to work and strive to achieve for that betterment. And that's, you know, that's that's our objective. That's that's what we're after here on the Dean's List. And in so doing, sometimes, you know, we're going to go to history class because, you know, in education, there's history class. Sometimes we're going to go to government class, and that's going to happen from time to time. Yesterday, we went to journalism school, and we talked about, we kind of, we kind of took a glimpse inside the mind of the journalists and how some of them do believe they are the experts. Some of them believe that in conjunction with the pundits, the talking heads and the mainstream political class, which is the Democrats on the left, they believe that, uh, you know, that grouping is, they're all you need. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. They're all you need. They'll do the thinking for you. You know, you you people out there, you, you know, according to them, you don't understand complex information. And this is what, what we learned yesterday. If, if you missed yesterday's show, go back and find it in the podcast. It's it's there. It's in the podcast. Uh, we, we discovered that they believe we don't understand complex information, and therefore we should just leave the thinking to them. So sometimes, you know, we have to we have to go to journalism school. We're going to have to do this stuff, uh, you know, in order for us to to turn this thing around. Then we're going to have to we're going to have to talk about th- these things. We're going to have to we're going to have to visit these these topics. We're going to go to history class. Matter of fact, I have a clip for you. This is, I think I'll play this now. This is the reason why we're going to go to history class on this show. This is the reason why we're going to go to government class. I mean, today we might even get into a little bit of American literature. I mean, this this type of stuff is important. This is why we're going to visit journalism school from time to time. This clip that I'm about to play for you. Let me set this up. This is from the New Hanover County School Board of Education Policy Committee meeting. And this was just a few days ago, November 21st. Uh, You're going to hear some some dialogue between uh, a a woman who is not named and the superintendent of the school board, Dr. Charles Faust. Uh, and and, and this, this interaction right here is why we're going to go to history class on this show. 
uh, repeatedly. Why are we going to get into government class on this show repeatedly? And, and you know, why are we going to revisit these things? All right, uh, let's take a listen to this interaction uh, between an unnamed woman and Superintendent Dr. Charles Faust. All Americans are created equal. You know, that's our constitution. It's quoting our constitution. I, the constitution was not written for me. I, I have to, I mean, I, I don't want us to get into this, but the constitution was not written with me in mind. I was only, for me as a black male, the constitution and all of those people that were sitting around the table did not represent me. I did not intend on getting into this today. There were there were other things that I wanted to talk about, and I, I'm sure I will get to them. You know, but this, it, it, it just came up, I guess, in my opening rant. There are really two issues with this exchange. Uh, the, the first issue is, is that they're both operating under the, uh, under the premise that the quote, all men are created equal is from the Constitution. And it's not it's from the Declaration. I mean, she, whoever she is, she introduces it you know, as something from the Constitution, and then he just kind of carries that thought over. But you know, at, at, at no point, at least in the clip, you know, do they correct one another? It's actually the declaration. Now, this probably isn't that big of a deal. I know it's easy to to misspeak. You know, when you're speaking in public and you're passionate about something and it, you're thinking one thing and it comes out another. I've done that. I mean, I've done it probably on several occasions here on the show. Well, I know I've done it on the show because some of you uh, write me and say, hey, you misspoke on this lovingly, of course. It's all it's all done lovingly. I've never had anyone, uh, you know, be rude or or a jerk face. This audience, I, I believe, cares. I, I believe that you care about the the hosts that you listen to on this network, and we appreciate it. The hosts appreciate, it. at least I do. I appreciate the the feedback I get from the audience. I love reading the emails. The dean dot list at protonmail.com, by the way, if you wanna you wanna shoot me one. You know, so so the premise here is is wrong. At least the quoted premise is wrong, that it's it's not the constitution, it's the declaration. All right, so maybe not not that big of a deal, but but maybe it might be. I mean, if if you know the two documents, if you read the two documents, then you're gonna know, I think that it comes from one and not the other. The second problem with this exchange is this idea that all men are created equal was not intended for everybody. This thought that all men are created equal does not represent people of color, it becomes detrimental, I think, to, to society. And this is really the objective in my opinion, this is the objective of the 1619 project that that they they want to get this this thought out there that Jefferson was lying when he said all men are created equal. That Jefferson didn't believe it; he just said it to say it. You know, and they this is the this is the the premise of their thought. Because if Jefferson's wrong about that, then he's wrong about everything. Everything in the Declaration is wrong. The Declaration is not, it's not a document that promotes freedom. The Constitution is not a document that promotes freedom. So, you know, here we have this very intelligent Black man, 
Dr. Charles Faust, who is the superintendent of this school board. Very intelligent man. I mean, he he's a doctor. But as a black man, he does not believe that the Constitution was written for him. And, I, and I'm assuming he doesn't uh, believe that the Declaration was written for him. I mean, that's where the quote comes from, the Declaration. He says the Constitution, the quote's from the Declaration. So it's my assumption that he doesn't think any of the founding documents were written for him. Matter of fact, he says the Constitution was not written for me. The Constitution was not written with me in mind. So he's building one on the other. And then he ends it with, as a black man, the Constitution and all those people sitting around the table did not represent me. You know, because, because you know, what they said, all men are created equal, was a falsehood. And that, you know, black people were slaves. But here's the thing. Um, uh, Jefferson and the Founding Fathers believed in their heart that all men were created equal. And that statement is for all humanity. And it wasn't just Black people that were enslaved. I mean, the majority in, in America, yes, but all over the world, slavery was a bane upon humanity. It's a Black mark on humanity, and it was worldwide. It wasn't just, you know, Black people. The, the the Muslims enslaved Christians for centuries. White Irish were enslaved. You know, black and white Christians are enslaved. Uh, you know, black people ens enslaving black people. Uh, this isn't, um, and this is. This is the, the, the truth of the matter, that slavery was despicable, and slavery was worldwide. And the Founding Fathers understood that. And the Founding Fathers believed that all men were created equal. And they were endowed by their creator with unalienable rights. And Jefferson lists three of them, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and it's it's the job of government to protect and defend those rights. So, yes, uh, Mr. Faust, the Declaration and the Constitution was written with you in mind. And I, and I, I understand he, he, he feels otherwise, and I'm not here to, to lambaste him for his opinion. I think it's unfortunate that there is an educational system in this country and an educational community that promotes the idea that the Declaration and the Constitution uh, were only written for white men. I, I think that is it's a disservice to the documents, the founding documents of this country. It's a disservice to, to the country itself. But it's on purpose, because if you can eliminate this idea of freedom, that America was founded on freedom, then, then you've got the, the notion that the country is evil, and now you can reshape it. You can reshape it and refashion it into the image you'd like to reshape and, and refashion it into. 
And it's an unfortunate, dangerous thought. It's a dangerous idea that uh, that the founding fathers did not believe it when they wrote it, that all men are created equal. Of course, Jefferson believed it. You know, and we've talked about it here at length that his his very first draft of the Declaration included in his list of grievances against the king that the king imposed slavery upon the colonies. The king imposed it. And that we know that, that Jefferson felt that way, that Jefferson attempted to... Um, he he made the attempt to sell his slaves, and, and but we don't hear about this. But in Virginia, it was illegal to do so. Virginia was uh, a royal colony. And as a royal colony, Virginia was under the, the direct control of the King of England. And what the king said in that colony went, it stood. Uh, there were three types of colonies, royal, uh, proprietary, and charter. And, and I, you know, I, I'm not going to get into up to all three. It's a fascinating study, but the royal colony, which Virginia was, was dictated, you know, by the king. What the king said went. It was governed by the king and the king's man. Uh, and it was illegal. Uh, and, and, you know, Jefferson made the attempt he made the attempt on, on more than one occasion to remove slavery from the the laws, from the charter, from you know, from from being the law of the land of Virginia. And he was unsuccessful in that. But you know, we don't talk about that because that doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative that Jefferson and Washington and the others were were, were racists. See that that narrative has to be. That narrative has to be delivered. It has to be told to our young people so they will then come to believe that the founding fathers were, were evil and racist and the whole country is built on a lie. And if it's built on a lie, then, you know, by golly, who wants to live in a country built on a lie? Let's change it. Let's change it for something better. Because this, no, this whole idea of freedom, it's false. They didn't believe it. We believe in freedom, so we're going to show you what freedom means. And of course, you know, what they say is not what they mean because they, you know, they recraft definitions, they recraft words. And and it's just unfortunate that this very intelligent doctor has this belief that the Constitution was not written for him and that uh, all men are created equal does not include him. It includes everybody. Dr. Faust. It includes all of humanity or all created equal. You know, they were, the king felt that, that it was his divine right to rule, that he was born into royalty. You know, King James said, I sit on the throne of God and life and death is, is under me. I'm I'm responsible for the life and death of all my citizens. What I say goes because I'm God's man here on the planet. I sit in the throne of God. And I sit here because I was born into this. All of you, you know, you people, you you peasants out there, you you lowlies, 
you know, it, you, you were not born into this. You're second class. There's me, and then there's everybody else. And, you know, I'll give nobles, you know, some some credit here and there. I'll give the nobility a little bit of credit. I'll, you know, I'll grant you things, but it's me. And uh, Jefferson stood in direct opposition to that idea. You know, he said, you know, you can't, um, you can't treat, you know, people like they're animals. Uh, we're, we're all created equal. You know, they believed you know, that all these guys read the ancients. They read Aristotle. They read Plato. They understood Socrates. And they understood that when Aristotle, you know, believed in equality, it was uh, all men are equal because we all have the ability to, to rationally think, to logically speak. We have the ability of speech. The animals do not have the ability of speech. Therefore, we are a higher order, but we're, we're, we all have this opportunity and this ability. We're all created equal. And it was this idea for the very first time put into print by Jefferson that all men were created equal. Uh, and, and now we're, we have this opportunity to build a government upon equality. But was it perfect in the beginning? Absolutely not. Did they get rid of slavery in the beginning? No, no, they didn't. Um, there were two states uh, South Carolina and Georgia, which would not allow Jefferson's original draft to go in, you know, because they they didn't see anything wrong with, with with slavery. They didn't have an issue with it. Jefferson did, however. This is why history class is so important. All right, we will pick it up on the other side of this break. This was a first segment rant, which I did not intend. All right, you're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. 
Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. You can hear us live at americaoutloud.news or iHeartRadio, or you can download the America Out Loud Talk Radio app for your Apple, Android, or your Alexa. Of course, the next day, every show goes into podcast, which you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, I don't know, name it, wherever you find your podcast, or you can go to americaoutloud.news, and there you can find my show and all the podcasts are listed there. So there's a bajillion ways to find us, and uh, we're grateful that you're listening. We appreciate this listening audience. The first segment, I you know, I had other things I wanted to get to. I did not, I did not mean to uh, to dive down that rabbit hole. I mean, essentially, I just wanted to say that. You know, from time to time, this show is going to go into history class or government class or, you know, literature class, you know, probably, possibly. You know, yesterday we went into uh, journalism school. So, you know, and it just it just took us down a road where, you know, I just personally, I'm lamenting that that there's this idea and there's this attitude that Jefferson didn't believe what he wrote. And the founding fathers did not believe what he wrote when he said all men are created equal. I honestly believe that Jefferson believed that. At the time, society did not treat all men equally. But Jefferson believed that all men were created equal. And and that's why the Declaration was written. That's why this, this Constitution was written to form and frame this government, which would create this place, this habitat, this country, where people could come and experience freedom. No, at the time, you know, not everybody was free, but but the groundwork was laid for everybody to eventually become free. And, you know, I, I understand, I get it, Superintendent Dr. Charles Faust, you know, believes that the Constitution wasn't written for him. As a black man, he said it wasn't written with with him in mind. Uh, and I just I disagree with that sentiment. I believe it was written for him in mind. I believe it was written so there there would be a place where everybody would be free. And I just wish that the country was viewed from that lens. I get it. There's there's a hundred different lenses out there, and you're going to view the founding in whichever way you know you're raised to view it. I guess you know you're gonna you're gonna have your own view along the way. I, I just I hope that there can be some change, at least for him, and for others who who see the country as being this this place that is you know rooted in bigotry and and slavery and uh, you know half truths I, I i i mean that was that's that's where i 
I was going in that first segment and um, I guess I'm just, I don't know. I'm just lamenting a little bit. You know, we've come out of, out of Thanksgiving and I just, I just see the country differently. I just see it as this bastion of hope as this bastion of, of freedom. Uh, You know, the other day we talked about Harriet Tubman and how she went after it. She went after freedom. She didn't lament. I don't think there's any 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 writings where she said uh, the Constitution wasn't written with 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 her in mind, and she went after freedom. She knew it was available. Now, in parts of the country, it wasn't, but that's why she was that's why she was Lady Moses going after it, setting people free, leading people to freedom. Uh, I I just I, I think there's there's more of that attitude than than not. But I feel like the 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 opposing attitude of you know the one that Mr. Faust has is becoming more and more prevalent. I don't think it's dominant by any stretch, but I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. And it is it's doing so because ultimately because of 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 who controls the education system in this country. And it's it's controlled by Marxists. For the most part, Marxists are are raising our children. And that is unfortunate. And that's got to change. I guess that's why we're here. I mean, that's why that's why I'm here. I think that's why this show exists, because the Marxists need to be driven out. They need to be driven out of education. This idea, you know what? I've got I've got an article here, and it's it's very interesting. It's it's entitled Money Can't Fix the Problem. Uh and, and and it's referring to education and the amount of 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 billions that they're throwing at at education. And and we think, man, if I just had I could solve this problem if I just had some money. You know, if I just had a little bit of money, I mean, and that seems to be you know, the general thought out there. Yeah, if if you run a business, it's a small business, and you feel like if you just had a little bit more money, and I get that, I understand that. I feel that way a lot of times, you know, but in terms of education, money is not the solution to the problems in education. I'm not saying, you know, education doesn't need more money, but it's not the solution to the current problem in education. So here's the current problem. Uh, the, The National Assessment of Educational Progress, commonly known as the nation's report card, shows just how badly the public education system is failing. For instance, the 2019 NAEP results, uh, NAEP is National Assessment of Educational Progress. The NAEP results indicated that only 34% of eighth graders were proficient in reading. Okay, that's the problem. Uh, 2019, this was prior to the pandemic, right? So you know coming out of 2020 that I'm just assuming these numbers are worse. 34% of eighth graders were proficient in reading. And that's that's not good. I mean, that's just, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's horrible. Two-thirds of eighth graders in this country, we're just going to round up and say two-thirds are not proficient in reading. And, you know, and we talked about yesterday that, that stat that came out that 54% of adults in the country were at a sixth grade reading level. And here we are, two thirds of eighth graders that are not proficient 
only 41% were proficient in math. Uh, I mean, it's not much better, really. 41% of eighth graders. These figures are alarmingly low, considering especially the financial resources that are pumped into the system. So what are those financial resources? In 2023, K-12 public schools will spend approximately $14,840 per pupil. Some places, the cost per student is as high as $17,000 per year per pupil. This is a hefty investment, and public education continues to fall massively short. So the problem is uh, that our eighth graders aren't proficient in reading or math, but money is not the solution. Money, I'm going to repeat that. Money is not the solution. Money can be the solution to a lot of things. But in this case, it's not the solution. Mm -mm. No, uh, we're going to talk about the solution here in a minute. But there's something else that is, that's troubling. It's, it's even worse than, than lack of proficiency in reading and in math. In recent data from the NAEP, they found that only 13% of eighth graders in America were proficient in American history. Now, some people are like, ah, it's just history, Dean. We need to focus on, on reading. We need to focus on math. That's just history. Uh-uh. No, it's not just history. Uh, history, it, it's received a, a bum rap over the years, but it's on an equal par with reading. And with mathematics, you have to know, especially in this country, you have to know that this is a is a country centered and founded on freedom. And you have to know that you you have this ability, you have this freedom to go after your goals and dreams and pursue them. Uh, and yes, obstacles are going to present themselves, but you have the the ability and the freedom to overcome those obstacles and to pursue everything you want to pursue and go after. You have what it takes. This is presented to you in this country, unlike any other country on the globe. There's, there's no other country where you can pursue your dreams and achieve success in those dreams like how you can do it here in America. And having a, a proper understanding of American history is the beginning of that. It's the foundation of that. And only 13% of our eighth graders are proficient in American history. And I'll tell you why. It's because they're either not being taught history or they are being taught, and it's a lie what they're being taught. And it's probably the latter. Just my opinion, all right? I don't have data. I don't have facts. I'm just I'm just giving you my gut instinct on it. That's all. That's my gut. That's my gut. That, to me, is... Uh, I don't want to say it's worse than, than, than the math and the reading. I mean, it is. The numbers are worse, 13%. The fact that it's history, I would that 100%. We're proficient in American history. The reading I get, the math I get, you know, it's that's a struggle. History shouldn't be a struggle. History should be enjoyment. And maybe it's just because I love history. 
but it's stories. I mean, who doesn't love stories? I mean, it's the stories that are important. Uh, I know sometimes when I when we go to history class, I I drop the the names and I, I drop the dates. I mean, the timeline is is a part of the story. So I think you need the timeline and and the names of the people. Obviously, they're a part of the story. You need the names and you need the dates. But history is about the story. It's about the stories. It's about the lessons that we can learn from the stories. I mean, the lesson that we learn from Harriet Tubman is huge. It's massive. Uh, the things that she believed in, she she had faith in God, number one, that he was going to lead her and guide her back into the South to bring uh, people into deliverance. Uh, you, you know, she had courage. She had faith. She had stick-to-itiveness. She had perseverance. She had these qualities that make up men and women that that we should desire to follow after, that we should desire to emulate. This is history, my friends. This is the importance of history. And we're at 13%. 13% of our kids are proficient in this. They they probably, do they even know who, who Harriet was? And that's a shame. Mm. Uh, all right. The disparity between the investment uh, of the billions of dollars, in some cases, 17 grand per student, and the outcome, you know, 34% proficient in reading, 41% in math, 13% in history. Uh, you know, it it just it points to this to this hard, unfortunate truth. Uh, that the government schools are simply not delivering an adequate return on the investment. I mean, if you look at it that way, it's not adequate. The return is is non-existent. And we just want to keep pouring, you know, more and 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 more money into it. Billions of dollars spent annually. We would expect a robust, high-performing system, yet the reality is we're in a system that's struggling to meet basic education standards. Um. You know, I'm looking at another article here. The state of Tennessee, if you live in Tennessee, congratulations. You live in a, in a free state. There are a group of Tennessee lawmakers that are who are considering the possibility of turning down more than $1 billion in federal funding for their public schools. That's, that's what they want to do. Th- these guys are, are to the point where they're saying, we don't want any more of your money. And the reason we don't want any more of your money is because it comes encumbered in red tape and paperwork that just draws us down. And and the money is not the solution. Uh, There's a 10-member panel here in Tennessee. Uh, Their findings will significantly impact the 2024 legislative session and could have broad budget implications for years to come. And here's what's at play. Federal dollars make up about a tenth of the state's education funding. Much of the money goes to support low-income students, students with disabilities. Uh, if Tennessee rejects the money, lawmakers said they'd use state dollars to fill in the gap. So I want you to think about this for a second. The Much of the money, much of this federal money that they are, are saying, we're going to turn down, you know, close to a billion 
we're going to turn it down. Much of it goes to support low-income students and students with disabilities. So our first, you know, the first response is here, oh, they need that money. We're talking about low-income students. We're talking about students with disability. How dare you deny them the funds? And, you know, on the surface, everybody's in agreement with, with that argument. Yeah, I mean, why would you not? I mean, let's let's give these kids every chance that they have or every chance that can be afforded to them. Let's give them money. If it takes, if it takes $10 billion, let's give it to them. You know, and that's that's all well and good. You know, but it's my argument that it doesn't it doesn't take money. It doesn't take a billion dollars to bring the uh, the low income students and students with disabilities up to par. I mean, it doesn't. Uh, you pay a teacher what you're going to pay a teacher to go in there, and and you pay the teacher to do an excellent quality job, and you provide that teacher with quality curriculum. I mean, a classical education. If you were to provide that teacher with a quality classical education, I'm just paying what you're going to pay them. I mean, you know, I don't know what the, what the I mean, I, you know, the going rate is probably 50, 60, 70, maybe 80,000, you know, pay them what you're going to pay them. But, you know, take the shackles off of them and let them teach with a quality, robust classical curriculum. Let them, let them go after it. Let them dive into it. And I promise you, you will see the changes in in these in these numbers. We would see the thirty four percent and the forty one percent, the thirteen percent. You know, turn around on the flip side. Uh, I mean, that's my recommendation. That's my prediction. Oh, drat! I'm up against it. All right, we'll pick it up again on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board. And I hope you've been to americaoutloud.shop, wherein you have used coupon code OUTLOUD25 to get 25% off on the nasal and throat spray, the GoFix RX nasal and throat spray. I hope you've done it. Listen, uh, make it part of your regimen. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have medical advice, but my anecdotal advice is use it. It's bailed me out twice this year. Uh, You you know, from September till now, I was on my way down twice. And I just, I just start going to town on the nasal and throat spray. And I just, you know, I'm just telling you uh, my, my, my personal experience last weekend, I was in the airport coming home from a conference and I, I sit down, I'm going to wait for the plane. And you know how the, the seats in the airport are, are back to back. And so there's someone behind me and she just starts hacking. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not a part of this. Uh, of course, I didn't have the nasal and throat spray in my carry-on. I did have it in my luggage bag because I used it. I used it that morning. And I thought, oh, man, as soon as I get off this plane and grab my luggage, that's the first thing I'm doing. Sure enough. Soon as, as soon as that plane landed, I grabbed my luggage. Uh, even before I got to the truck, I pulled it over. I, you know, found myself a spot, opened that bad boy up, pulled out the nasal and throat spray, and went to town. Right there in the airport, people are like, "What in the world is that crazy guy doing over there in the corner with that nasal and throat spray?" Hey, I'm trying to stay healthy, and I want you to stay healthy as well. So, AmericaOutloud.shop coupon code OutLoud25. Uh, so, last segment, I uh, I got into this article that talks about Tennessee, uh, you know, perhaps rejecting uh, a billion dollars in federal funding for education. And, uh, yeah, I would support this. And I know a lot of people, again, because this money, according to the article, much of the money goes to support low-income students and students with disabilities. So right there on the outset, you're like, you cannot take money away from low-income students and students with disabilities. And I understand that, okay? But it money is not the solution. It just isn't. Oh, Republican House Speaker Cameron Sexton first suggested walking away from the funding because he said it comes with burdensome requirements like standardized testing mandates. And that's not the only mandate. I mean, there's a ton of other uh, red tape that, that that goes along with this. It was Sexton and Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally who formed the panel of eight Republicans and two Democrats to delve into the matter. Uh, last week, local school district leaders told lawmakers they needed more funding, not less. They were silent, however, when asked to identify federal requirements that were too burdensome. They're all looking around like, you know, what are we going to say here? I'm not going to. I mean, we can't start talking about federal requirements that are too burdensome. All we need to say is we need the money. Low-income kids, uh, students with disabilities, we need the money. Uh, You say low-income and students with disabilities, and the public naturally, uh, we, we uh, we have tender hearts you know, towards these groups. But we do, and we want to help them. We we want to, to be there for them. 
we want to, as I said earlier, provide them with with every uh, means possible for them to succeed. But government is not the is not the solution. Government dollars is not the solution. I mean, money itself is not the solution. You know what? I've got a clip for you. This is uh, here's just an example of of how come, in my opinion, government is not the solution. All right. This is uh, Education Secretary Cardona, and yeah, I just I just want you to listen to this. It's a short clip, but. Well, let's just take a listen. We're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, As uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, There are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Count on us as a partner in this. Our students are waiting. Cardona is here talking about the Department of Education making resources available to the states. You know, he says, we have a playbook. You know, we, we have resources for you. And, and you know, the kids need it. So we're here for you. And then he says, quoting Reagan, we're from the government. We're here to help. As Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help, which Reagan did say that. But uh, Cardona takes his quote out of context. Listen to what, well, listen to the entire quote that Reagan said in context. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. So uh, Cardona uh, conveniently excludes the the nine uh, scariest words in the English language, or however Reagan referred to them as. Uh, that Reagan's point is, when you hear a knock on the door and you open it up and the other person says, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, you shut the door. And you, and you go out the back door. I mean, you just turn and run because uh, there isn't there isn't help coming your way. It's going to be the opposite of help. And Cardona, you know, we, we're 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 here for the the governors. We you know the Department of Education has resources for the states for our students. We're from the government. We're here to help. He is telling you, the states. He's telling you, uh, turn and run the other way. He says, I think it was Reagan who said that. Yeah, yeah, Reagan did say that. He did. Uh, you just, you know, you didn't say all of what Reagan said. But just like just like a, a, a Marxist progressive liberal, you know, we're gonna take the narrative and we're gonna we're gonna take what Reagan said and we're gonna just we're gonna only take a portion of it to make it sound like what we want him to say. You know, it's what they did to Jefferson and the separation of church and state. I, don't get me started. Ah, we'll be here all day, and we only have, you know, a few minutes left. Uh, You know, so my point is, you know, governors, when they're offering you a billion dollars in Tennessee, uh, go the other way, go the other way. But Dean, but 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 Dean, low income students. Uh, but Dean, students with disabilities, and that's all you got to say, and, and people's hearts are broken, and they start melting, and they just start throwing out money. But again, uh, my solution doesn't include money. That money is not the answer. But what is the answer is a good teacher with a good curriculum. You 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 put a teacher in that classroom with low-income students, and you give that teacher a solid, classical, Christian education. 
I promise you. In our great public schools, you can't. You can't throw in a Christian education, which to me is just, mm, don't get me started. All right, so let's just, let's go the Hillsdale model. Hillsdale charter schools are a classical education. Look, you know, look at what's happening in these Hillsdale schools. Look at their test scores. Uh, their test scores are through the roof. And, and, you know, and it's a charter school. You, you don't have to pay money. It's free. It's essentially a public school. And uh, but it's it's a robust classical curriculum with a good teacher in there who's just going after it. You know, who's teaching these kids good things. That's that's the answer. Money is not. You know what? Back in uh, back in July, let me see where uh, where is that story? Back in July, if you recall, you recall hearing or reading about the Le, the, the LeBron James I Promise School. I've got it. All right, so here it is. This article is from 2018. All right, so we're going to go back in time for a minute. It's entitled "Where the Money Goes." Breakdown of funding for LeBron James, LeBron James, I promise, school in Akron. All right. Uh, so Akron, Ohio, LeBron's hometown, you know, he wants to to give back to the community, which, you know, I, I don't agree with LeBron's politics, but, uh, you know, I, I love his heart here. He, he, he grew up in this community. He wants to give back to it. He wants to support the kids. So, you know, he's, he, he, he starts this I Promise school. Uh, the I Promise schools launched by the LeBron James Family Foundation and the Akron Public School District. Uh, it's received local and national attention for its model to help at-risk students. So this this whole point of this school is to help uh, two groups of kids, low-income and students with disabilities. Right? We're talking about the two groups that breaks everybody's hearts, and that's what you know. LeBron, his heart's breaking, and he wants to give back, and so he does. The I Promise School follows the Akron Public School District curriculum. All right, make note of that. It follows the Akron, uh, the Akron Public School District curriculum. This is an important piece, but includes additional wraparound services provided by LeBron's foundation to help at-risk students within the district. This includes using a model to incorporate longer school years and days and additional teachers to reduce class sizes. Okay, all right, maybe all good things. The Akron Public School Treasurer, Ryan Pendleton, said he believes the partnership and school model can be a game changer for the district and called the school a model of efficiency that can be truly transform transformational for students. All right, the school hasn't opened yet in 2018. All right, it's about to. Um, or maybe actually, maybe it had been open for a year because I know it opened in 2018. This article came out of July. So I might be wrong on that count. But the treasurer for Akron Public Schools is, you know, says this is going to be transformational. By golly, it's a game changer. Model of efficiency. Okay. Um, Akron Public Schools estimated the I Promise School would cost about $2.5 million for the 2019 fiscal school year. Its current 243rd and 4th grade students, all right, for, it's going to cost 
two and a half million for 240 kids. All right. So it started at the third grade. It opens up, it takes in third and fourth graders, and it's going to take these kids all the way up to the eighth grade. Okay. This is an important piece. LeBron is, is, you know, dumping all this money into it. Plus this school gets, you know, it's a public school. So it still gets the, the Akron, you know, funding, you know, all the public schools get, but the family foundation from LeBron is going to dump in additional money for these quote wraparound services. Okay. 240 third and fourth graders at two and a half million dollars. I mean, okay. Can we just, can we just do the math? 2.5 million. And then by two, all right, no, that's not right to 240. by two point? All right, so it's going to be um, uh, 96,000. Um, 96,000. I'm going to add in a couple of zeros. All right, I, I didn't add in all the zeros here. So I mean, that's a lot of money. That's, that's the bottom line. Two and a half million. Uh, for 240 students, okay, about 80% of the figure is set for salaries, and the remaining funds are designated for supplies and additional costs. All right. So a lot of money, ultimately. It's going to be a lot of money. After the school's opening on July 30, the foundation estimated about $2 million was spent on renovations and additional services to help open the school. Uh, on Tuesday, LeBron James Foundation released updated numbers to include the total, I promise, con contributions of about $2.8 million. Right, $2.8 million. That's what the foundation contributed, along with whatever the public school district was giving it. All right, that was 2018. Last summer. Last summer. Uh, there was a report given. The I Promise School, that's not the article I want. Here it is. Okay, the goal of the school is to serve an intervention for the district's lowest performing students starting at an early age. It is a rare, if not unprecedented, model in education nationwide. Okay, that's what it's being billed as, an unprecedented model. All this money, millions of dollars are being dumped into it. But Monday night, this came out last summer. I think July, uh, July 31st, maybe July 30th. But Monday night, the board dug into some of the academic data from the school in its first five years. So it started in 2018. Here we are in 23. And the board voiced concern the effort has not yet seen the results that they had all hoped. The state had also issued its first concern about the school. Two of I Promise's biggest subgroups of students, Black students and those with disabilities, are now testing in the bottom 5% in the state, landing the school on the Ohio Department of Education's list of those requiring targeted intervention. But Board President Derek Hall, who noted Monday's presentation, was the first such overview he had seen on the school in nearly four years on the board. Okay, this is year five. This dude's been on the on the board for four years. This is the first time he has seen a report, an academic report, which to me is shocking. I mean, the academic report should be annual, maybe biannual, maybe quarterly. He said he was disappointed with the data, even with COVID-19 and a year of remote learning as known factors, given the plethora of additional 
resources at the school, a plethora of additional resources. For me as a board member, he said, I just think about all the resources that we're providing, and I just, I'm just i just disappointed that I don't think – it doesn't appear like we're seeing the kind of change that we would expect to see after all the resources we're giving. The, the, the millions of dollars they are, they are pouring into this school. The school receives the same local, state, and federal funding as any other public school, but on top of that, the foundation has given up to $1.4 million each year for additional tutors and more teachers in younger grades to lower class sizes. Money is not the answer. More teachers, you know, additional teachers, tutors, it's not the answer. I mean, the answer is here where I read it to you. I said, the I Promise School follows the Akron Public School District District curriculum. That's it, my friends. That, that is it. Government is not the answer. Money is not the answer. A plethora of resources is not the answer. The answer is a robust classical curriculum. I, I mean, I can repeat it till I'm blue in the face. I mean, there's so much in this article that I didn't even get to. Uh, the scoring, you know, from this school. It's not LeBron's fault. LeBron is is doing what I, I feel like he should be doing. He's got a heart for it. It's not his fault. All right. I wish I had more time to dive into this article, but I don't. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. That's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age. <laughs>